Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Everybody, good morning, and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. So, so glad that you are here. Uh, thanks for coming. Welcome those of you over at our East service, those of you who are tuning in. Welcome. Well, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. We are so grateful for you. Thanks for all your sacrifices, the ones that we see in the hundreds and thousands of sacrifices you've made that no one sees. Uh, but we are so thankful for each of you. Now, I want to recognize, too, that there's a wide range of emotions that can happen on Mother's Day. And for those of you who are first-time moms or those of you who are appreciated, exhausted moms or those of you who are matriarchs and honored, we rejoice with you. But then there's that other side of the spectrum. There are those of us who are missing our moms uh, like I am. There are those of you uh, moms whose hearts are breaking for one reason or another because uh, there is no heart that breaks quite like a mom's heart. And there are those of you who have longed to be a mom and for some reason have not been able to be one. And for those of you who are on that side of the spectrum, we just want you to know uh, that we mourn with you. Uh, But for everybody, we love you and we are so, so glad that you're here. All right. All right. We are in a new series. We started last week. It's a four-week series that we're calling Conversations with Jesus. 
conversations with Jesus. We're looking at four conversations that Jesus has in the Gospels where he's talking to somebody who is not yet a follower, someone who is not a Christian. We're doing it for two reasons. One, if you are here or you are watching or listening and you are not yet a Christian, uh, I don't know what your experience has been like with Christians. I don't know what your experience has been like with churches. Uh, But I think it would be good for you to see what Jesus says to you, what Jesus feels for you. All right. The other reason that we're doing this is for those of us who are Christians, it gives us a glimpse into Jesus' heart. And we want to become more like Jesus. That's our goal. So last week, we started out by looking at uh, Jesus talking with Matthew, the tax collector who became a disciple. And it was actually a two for one because we saw what Jesus said to Matthew, but he also led him into a conversation with some religious leaders called Pharisees. Uh, This week, it's the same. Uh, we get a two-for-one. We're going to look at uh, what Jesus says. You watched the, the passage being read. What Jesus says to a woman who is uh, referred to as a, a woman of the city and a sinner. And then there's a man named Simon who also happens to be a Pharisee. All right, let me give you some details so you can picture this accurately in your head because this is going to be important. Uh, this meal did not happen inside of a house or in a dining room like you might be thinking. Uh, it happened outside. Uh, I told you last week that in the first century there were small houses, but whenever they had like a, a, an important meal with somebody or a banquet, they had it out in their courtyard, which was much larger. Think of a pergola with open kind of uh, walls. And they were a front Uh, yard culture, not a backyard culture. Here in Hudson, we were very much a backyard, back deck culture, which uh, means that if you have somebody over for a cookout, you go in your your backyard so that your neighbors who are walking by don't bother you. Nobody comes up uninvited or anything. But here, they're a front yard culture, which means that uh, their neighbors could be walking by, could feel free to come into the courtyard, could actually get close enough to eavesdrop, which is why no one noticed this woman until she got so close. They weren't sitting at a table with chairs. You know that famous painting of Leonardo da Vinci, The Last Supper, where you have Jesus sitting with all his disciples at a table. That's not not accurate. That's not the way they did it in the first century. Uh, They did it here. Throw me that pillow. Uh, They would have like a covering on the ground, and they would have pillows like this all around. I'm going to try to do this. (laughs) And they uh, they would recline like this with their left hand, uh, their left elbow like this, and they would eat with their right hand. And then they, their feet would be out away from the food. All right, got that? Okay, let me try to get up. Hold on. All right, thanks. All right, got it. Uh, let's see. The Simon, when he invited Jesus uh, to this banquet, it was a big deal. Very courageous of him. See, the Pharisees were uh, kind of very, very hostile as a group toward Jesus. When Simon invites Jesus to a meal, it's a, it's a big deal. It means that he is wanting to connect with Jesus. He is, he is like offering an olive branch. He is offering relationship with Jesus. The only other Pharisee that comes into contact with Jesus like this is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, presumably because he doesn't want to be seen. But Simon is out there for everyone to see. This woman who is referred to as a woman of the city and a sinner, that's a euphemism for a prostitute. So she was a prostitute. And she has this alabaster flask of ointment. 
That was a very, very expensive flask of ointment. It was very small. It had a tiny, very thin like neck on that flask that was not meant to ever be broken. If you break it, you buy it because it's ruined. Right? They would, women would, would wear this around their necks uh, to give a kind of a perfume off that would make them desirable, make them attractive, which we'll get to in a minute. All right. So Simon has invited Jesus to his home for dinner. This woman goes to Simon's home just to find Jesus because she knows he's there. So you have two people. They're both seeking Jesus. They both want to connect with Jesus and maybe have relationship with him. By the end of the story, one person walks away absolutely connected, absolutely filled with joy, feeling forgiven and in love with Jesus and feeling deeply loved by Jesus. And the other one, not. Not connected, not feeling loved, not feeling forgiven, not. All right, so there are two important questions. It's a great story. One is, why? What happened? What was the difference between the two? But the more important question is this, which one are you? Which one do you feel like you are? Because you're one of these two characters in this story. All right, because this uh, story is built on contrast, here are my three points for those of you who are note takers, or if you're not a note taker, this will just give you an idea of where I'm going. All right, I want to look at uh, three differences. I want to look at uh, the way they, these two people see themselves differently. I want to look at how they respond to Jesus differently, and then how Jesus responds to them differently. Okay, these are all cascading, by the way. How you see yourself will determine how you respond to Jesus, which will determine how Jesus responds to you. All right? Let's start with the first one. How they see themselves differently. It's, you know, there's a lot of talk about a self-image. It's very, very difficult to form your self-image based just on you, you know, and how you feel about you. Like if you stand in front of a mirror and you just go, I am somebody, I am beautiful, I am smart, whatever. You go outside, people will let you know how you should feel about yourself, right? <laughs> people are much better mirrors than uh, a real mirror. You know, I, uh, last uh, Sunday night, um, I was invited to be a part of a Q&A panel for our senior high. And so I went to the block, which is our student ministries building, uh, to have this Q&A on relationships. <clears throat> and I usually don't think through uh, what I'm going to wear to something like that, like my wife thinks through what she's going to wear. But on that one, I was thinking, mm, I want to, you know, I want to think this through because, you know, I'm going to a bunch of senior high kids. I want to be kind of, you know, kind of cool. So uh, it was a warm night, <clears throat> unlike today, and I had uh, shorts on, which were my good shorts, and I had um, a button-down shirt, and I had my, my favorite sandals. And I, I got to say, I, I felt pretty good, right? <laughs> So I walk into the block, and the first, <clears throat> first couple of girls, that, high school girls that see me, they come up, and they go, hey, 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 how you doing? Welcome. And they slap me high five. And the one girl goes, she looks at me, and she looks down at my sandals. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, perfect. And she walked away. You know, <laughs> and you know, when somebody says something, and you think, I don't think you meant what you just said, right? <laughs> and I looked down at my sandals, and I was going, mm, I think they're old man sandals, right? <laughs> And they're my favorite. 
She was a much better mirror. She, wanted to, she let me know how I should feel better than what I thought. Right? It can work the opposite way, too. You can wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and just think, oh, bad day. Right? First person you come in contact with says, hey, did you lose weight? You look great. Right? You'll feel great. That's the way it works. We count on other people to let us know how we should feel about ourselves. So here's the question. How do you think this woman felt about herself? Right? I mean, when, when she touched Jesus' feet, Simon thought to himself, if he was a prophet, he wouldn't let her touch him. Right? This woman was a prostitute. She was told every single minute of every single day who she was, what she was, and how she should feel about herself. You can almost feel the shame as she tries to get close to Jesus in this courtyard. It's palpable. Simon is different, right? Simon is a Pharisee, which means he dressed distinctly. Oh, she probably dressed distinctly too for a different reason. But he dressed in a way that made people respect him, honor him. They looked up to him. In fact, he is playing the host to Jesus, but he doesn't feel like he needs to do anything special for Jesus. You know, Jesus says, when I came in, Simon, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. Those were common things to do for someone. Simon didn't feel like he had to do that. Simon felt it was honor enough for Jesus to be his guest in his home. This is what's interesting to me. Jesus sets up this situation, this conversation between two people who could not be more different. Think of a spectrum, right? And on, they're on opposite ends of a spectrum. You have good and bad, clean and dirty, righteous and unrighteous, moral and immoral. Which one do you think Jesus is going to move toward? Which one is going to walk away with joy? Here's the question, too. Where are you on the spectrum? Where do you see yourself honestly on the spectrum? Do you see yourself as being better than most? Do you see yourself being worse than most? How you see yourself will determine how you respond to Jesus. And that's not just before you become a Christian. It's every day. It's right this moment. How you are feeling toward Jesus begins with how you feel about yourself. All right, that brings me to the second thing. How they respond to Jesus differently. Right, let's start with the woman. So she comes to Jesus and she has this, uh, this plan that she is going to anoint him with this ointment. But before she can carry out her plan, something happens and she begins to weep. And she weeps almost uncontrollably. In fact, Jesus must have felt her tears begin to, to drop onto his feet. You know, that might have been the first time that anyone realized how close she had gotten to them. That she is kneeling and weeping on Jesus' feet. She is deeply emotional. She is undone. Right? That's the woman. Simon is different. Simon is talking with Jesus. He, he wants to pick Jesus' brain. He's trying to decide what he should think about Jesus. And you can tell because of the way he's deducing things. Even when he sees this woman begin to touch Jesus, he thinks to himself, hmm, hmm I'm trying to think of who Je what Jesus is, right? If he was a prophet, uh, he would know what kind of woman this is. and He wouldn't let her touch him. 
So either he's not a prophet, or he's not a good prophet. Either way, not sure what I think, right? He's thinking about Jesus. He's trying to decide. what. There's nothing wrong with that. You should think about Jesus. You should try to decide who he is. But I want you to know this. The filter that you use to determine who Jesus is will always start with how you feel about yourself. Simon saw himself as good people. And this is a lot of times what I, when I talk to people who are good people, this is a lot of times what they do. They will, they will look at Jesus and see Jesus as kind of a role model, as uh, someone they, could, uh, they should follow his example. I always think of Oprah Winfrey. I think Oprah Winfrey is a very nice woman. I would love to be friends with Oprah Winfrey. She seems like she's great. And if you talk to her about Jesus, she speaks very highly of Jesus. She will, uh, and she enjoys his teaching to love uh, your neighbor, to love your enemy, to forgive people, to go the extra mile, to judge not lest ye be judged. But if I were to ask Oprah Winfrey, listen, Oprah, let me ask you this. Did Jesus die and rise again so that you could be forgiven? And is that the only way that anyone can get to God? She would balk because she sees Jesus as a role model, an example to follow. And if that's you, then I want you to know you will always have an emotionless religion. Your religion will never move from your head to your heart. You will never weep. You will never feel really in love with Jesus, and you will never feel deeply loved by God. If you are feeling that right now, if your heart is cold toward God, or you desperately need to feel loved by God, then the place to start is how you see yourself. Because let's go to the woman. She is filled with emotion. She is weeping. She is falling down at Jesus' feet. You know that alabaster flask of ointment. Super expensive. Women would would wear it around their necks so that it would make them attractive and desirable. It was absolutely critical for her profession for what she needed it for. And she took that and she broke it and she poured it out on Jesus' feet. Why? What was she saying? She was saying to Jesus, if you are who you say you are, then I don't need this. All I need is you. So many times people come to Jesus. We are guilty of coming to Jesus and thinking, maybe Jesus can help me get where I'm going. Maybe Jesus can help me with my plan for my life. There are a lot of people who I talk to who, are, who hold back. They don't want to go all in with Jesus because they're afraid of what he might make them change or what he might make them do that they don't want to do. I always think of Pastor Zach told me a story about his, his oldest son, his name Deacon. And a couple of years ago when Deacon came to Zach and he said, Dad, Uh, I've heard you talk about Jesus. I know the story of Jesus. I am ready to follow Jesus. I want to become a Christian. Zach said to him, okay, that's great. That's great, Deacon. Let me ask you a question. What do you want to do when you grow up? And Deacon said, well, you know, I want to be a video game designer. And Zach said, okay, that's great. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus wanted you to become a janitor instead of a video game designer, what would you become? And and Deacon thought about it for a minute, and he said, I'd still become a video game designer. And Zach said, okay, I get that. You're not ready. 
And about several weeks later, then Deacon comes back to Zach and he says, Dad, I'm ready. I will be whatever Jesus wants me to be. What Zach was trying to do was to keep his son from becoming like Simon. Right? Simon is somebody who is going, maybe Jesus can help me get where I want to be. This woman comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, whatever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. You are my life. All right. So now let's look at how Jesus responds to them differently. How Jesus responds to them differently. Jesus tells them a story, which is interesting. Right? Jesus says to Simon, before he tells the story, he says to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. And then he tells the story. If Jesus ever says to you, I have something to say to you and tells a story, you're in that story, right? So Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. He says, say it, teacher. And he says, there are two people. One uh, owed, both of them were in debt. One owed a bunch, one owed a little. Neither could pay. All right, let me stop right there. That's a hard stop. That is the most important part of this story. Jesus says, there are two people, Simon. One owes a ton, one owes a little, but neither can pay. What's he trying to tell Simon? What he's trying to tell Simon is, you look at this woman, you think you're so different than she is, but you're not. You both have a debt. You cannot pay. Don't you see? I've heard it explained like this. Uh, You can have two people. You can have one uh, person who gets mauled by a lion and is dead. You got another person who dies in their sleep. They too are dead. They're both dead. One is ugly dead, right? One is torn to shreds dead. The other is kind of attractive dead. Looks like they're sleeping. Both are dead. That's what Jesus is trying to say to Simon. Simon, don't you realize she's ugly dead? You see that she understands that she's dead. You don't understand that you're dead. You don't understand you have a debt you cannot pay. What are you going to do? And I say, we look at how Jesus responds to them differently. Jesus, in some ways, gives them both what they want. He gives Simon something to think about. He's going, Simon, just think about this for a little bit. There are two people, neither can pay. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? To the woman, he says, you need a savior. I will be that savior for you. Do you see? You know, I think of Simon. You know, Jesus says to Simon at the end of the story, he says, Simon, don't you see? You, you didn't give me, uh, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. And you think, Simon must have been going, are you serious? You want me to gush over you? You want me to weep? over you? You want me to fall all over you? And Jesus is like, yes. That's exactly what I want you to do. And Simon, if you saw yourself the way you really are, then you would see me for who I am and what I am willing to do for you. And then you would love me. And I want you to know that it seems like, if you read it fast, that Jesus is saying that this woman, because she loved him so much, therefore he forgave her. That's verse 47. It says, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But then he adds this, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. Listen, how you see yourself will determine how you really see Jesus and how you respond to him. And then how you respond to him will determine how he responds to you. I think if this is the end of a movie, 
right? It, what, the movie could look at, at this woman walking away with Jesus, right? Tears streaming down her face, but just beaming, beaming, right? Feeling absolutely forgiven, feeling absolutely loved, maybe for the first time in her life, and feeling absolutely in love with Jesus. She has everything. And then the camera would pan back to Simon, who'd be sitting, watching them walk away with a blank look on his face while the servants cleared the dishes. What kind of religion do you want? If you are looking at Jesus as a role model, as an example to follow, you will have an emotionless religion. You will never, ever really feel loved by God. You will ever, never really love Jesus. But if you see yourself as you really are, as someone who is in debt with a debt you cannot pay, that Jesus is willing to pay, then you'll have a, a religion full of emotion that will include both your head and your heart where you will feel deeply loved and deeply in love. Listen, when I say how you see yourself determines how you respond to Jesus, every moment, like even right now, your heart will be quickened toward Jesus based on how you see yourself. We're going to take communion in just a minute. And as you hold that communion cup, really how you see yourself in your debt will determine how you respond to Jesus and whether you walk out of here with joy, feeling loved, and feeling in love, or whether you walk out of here the same way you walked in. Conversations with Jesus. Let's listen, because he's always talking to us. He's always talking to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you, and I'm so, so grateful. I'm grateful for uh, your love for us. And you know, uh, I, my heart grows cold. And there are times, I, I think, uh, when my heart is coldest, is not when I'm uh, sinning against you. It's when I'm feeling like I don't need you. Lord, forgive us all for that. Lord, we want to be a people that... Uh, that experience the joy of what it means to have a savior, not just a role model. We want to experience what it means to be deeply in love with you and loved by you. I pray that you would help us do that. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for your sacrifice. Thanks for what we're going to do right now with communion. We pray this in your name.